Hello, and welcome to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. Our mission is to bring educators together for meaningful conversations about the challenges and successes of teachers in the Heartland. So sit back and relax and enjoy our show. I am talking with um, Ms. Julie Stevenson about learning targets today. And, um, you know, this is kind of a unique uh, year right now, isn't it, uh, Ms. Stevenson? It absolutely is. <laughs> Who would have ever predicted? Uh, well, you know, uh, I don't think anybody ever would have predicted this. Uh, but I do know this. We, we got news yesterday from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education here in Missouri that we would not be MAP or EOC testing this year. Yes, I, and, I appreciated the commissioner's uh, decision on that. That was wise. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it would have been really hard to do that, uh, you know, over online learning and everything. And I don't think anybody's really ready for it. We're missing a third of the year. Exactly. So uh, there's, there's two... Uh, two ways to look at this two two viewpoints you know as a te- when i was a teacher i could have looked at this a couple of ways and one is hooray uh mm-hmm. this is uh, this is good and then the other is uh, so what's next what what's going to happen next and and how are we going to get there and you know i think this is a perfect opportunity to revisit probably one of the key parts of district continuous improvement and that is learning targets absolutely and I always put myself in the shoes of educators, administrators, teachers, all those important support people. And on Monday, you know, when we were told, yeah, you're going home for a while, um, you know, it occurred to me, gosh, my life is going to change drastically uh, because the places I go and the people I support are no longer there. Um, and it, it, it made me really focus on if I were in the classroom, what would I be doing right now? How would I be setting up, you know, good resources for my students, those that have access digitally and those that do not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've really, I've really been trying to, um, you know, get in the mind of uh, those folks that are doing this very difficult work. Uh, so that's kind of where this thought evolved from. Um, I, I, I beat the bandwagon pretty hard and heavy um, in the uh, DCI work and the district, district continuous improvement work, as well as just uh, to anyone that will listen. Um, Unfortunately, now on a podcast, we've got a captive audience, maybe that is listening. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, you know, I feel like those learning targets are just absolutely essential, and I don't think that that stops currently, just due to these unusual circumstances. Right. So I've got. I'm gonna. We're gonna kind of backtrack way back because right now. Some of the people that we're talking to in this in these podcasts are not teachers; mm-hmm. they're parents. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to start with let's just define learning targets, for, even for parents, and where they can find them. Um, you know, so that they can be a part of this conversation. Absolutely. Uh, 
so what do you, what do you think? What are, where, what are learning targets? So learning targets are what we would expect a student to be able to understand, know, and do by the time they finish an assignment, by the time they finish a course, uh, by the time they finish um, uh, something that has been uh, tasked for them to do. Uh, so, you know, that's what we, that's what we measure our success um, as educators around. You know, this is, this is the framework of, um, of instruction. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, by the time I'm finished with, as I tell all my um, educator friends, this fabulous instruction, what is it that I want students to glean from this? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's intentional planning um, and it's thinking about the end product and then planning and this is a this is an education term. You know, we plan backwards. Uh, so, if this is what the outcome is going to look like, then what do I need to do as a parent or as a teacher to get my students to that outcome? So, give me an example um, for a, for a layperson, for a parent, um, for a teacher who's just starting out. Who, you know, I'm sure they've had this kind of work in college, but. What is a, what's an example of what a learning target would look like, let's say, for an elementary student? Absolutely. So one of the things that we really stress and something that is difficult for students is to understand the author's purpose for writing a book. You know, why did the author write this book? Why did the author choose this particular vocabulary um, in their story? So if I am a teacher or a parent, I have to think about, okay, so as I'm reading a story, what questions could I ask? Um, You know, what kinds of ways could I engage my child, um, my student in this learning? So I'm going to, you you asked about resources. I always refer to um, our Department of Elementary and Secondary Education resources. Uh, because those those outline for us um, exactly what students should be learning. Uh, of course, this is not a mandate from our state, but it is a guideline. Uh, but it is a good guideline. Uh, so, you know, and I and I'm I'm glad you asked that question because, you know, in thinking about okay, there are a lot of authors right now that are reading their books online um, for students to access. You know, Mo Williams. Um, you know, he wrote uh, the pigeon book and he writes uh, piggy and elephant books. And he also has some really good uh, books for middle schoolers. Okay. We're watching now the author, Mo Williams, uh, reading his material. What a great way for parents to stop and say, gosh, I wonder why he used these two characters. Why did he choose piggy and elephant? Um, and what did you notice that he did when he had uh, Elephant say this to Piggy? Um, so, you know, that's a great way. It's, it's real. We get to actually see the author um, and a great way to really involve students in that learning target that we want them to understand the author's purpose for writing the and book. It, and in doing so, you're really not asking for a right or wrong answer no. from a student no. at that point. You're just asking for higher level thinking. Exactly. 
Okay. Being able to predict or evaluate or judge uh, what, what is happening with in that story. Yes. A lot of uh, inferring going on. Okay. Um, and that's one of the things that we want students to be able to do. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we do constantly um, as, as adults, as professionals. So yeah, these are leading up to those skills. Now, there are also, you know, some, some foundational skills that, you know, we need to attend to. So um, one of the kind of the changes in math, and I am not a math, um, I'm not a math guru, Kathy Battles and Kat Nicolaus at our center are, the, are those gals. Uh, but, you know, in looking at math, one of the things that we ask is that students can compose and decompose numbers at a young age, you know. Yeah, and see, for a layperson, that doesn't mean anything. Compose, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, if I get on to the Missouri Department of Elementary and Secondary Education website, I can see some sample questions that would be great to ask. And what that means is, if I show my kindergarten child the number seven, I ask, what ways can you make seven? Uh, oh, gosh, there are several ways you could make seven. I could combine four and three. Um, okay. I could combine five and two. Uh, so what, what, what are all the ways that you could make seven? Some students are going to say, well, I could start with 10 and take away three. Oh, okay. So I'm learning a lot about what your thinking is now. Uh, So, you know, that's what we have to aim for, but always Mm -hmm. keeping those learning frameworks and those learning targets in mind. Okay. And so, um, you know, that was, I I was going to get to that, what you're saying right there, but I think it's so important. You know, we use, teacher jargon all the time. Mm-hmm. And all of these standards are written, all of the objectives are written in, in teacher language. And so how important is it to take that, that language and um, take it down to the student level? Absolutely. It's, 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 it's hugely important. And that's one of the things that we do. And, you know, that's, that's, that's a key to involving students in their own learning. Um, if we're mm-hmm. using vocabulary that they don't understand, um, they're not going to actually be able to access their learning. So for teachers, uh, and when we, when we get back into the classroom or if those that are working online with their students right now, what should teachers be thinking of t- keeping in mind uh, when they're writing learning targets for, for their students? Well, and I think this is huge. Uh, you know, Twitter is, is ripe right now for the, um, the ideas of, you know, we should just take a break uh, from learning. And students are in a, in a stressful situation. Um, the adults in their lives are very stressed. Uh, this is not of importance. However, you know, if this event continues Yes, as you mentioned, we are not preparing students currently for a state assessment. However, we are, we are preparing them to be successful next year. We are preparing them to be successful in life. Uh, and so I think that we have an obligation to think through, okay, 
what is it that I want them to continue learning and how can I best provide that? Um, even in this unusual and, and, and very challenging time. Um, so I would recommend um, to educators, you know, go back and look at those performance level descriptors that are offered to us through the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education here in Missouri. Um, you know, I, I, I refer to that frequently and say, use it as kind of your checklist to say, okay, where am I? as the year has progressed. Are you going to get through through all of them? Absolutely not. And that's okay. You know, give yourself a lot of grace in this difficult and, and challenging time. Uh, however, are there things that I taught in October that my students might need some more repu repu um, repetitions on? Okay, let's bring yeah. that out. Um, you know, are there some things that, gosh, we just were touching on that two weeks ago. And if I could just give them the next piece of that, uh, it would really benefit them. So we are always intentional about uh, the work that we do. However, I think it's probably even more imperative now, um, okay. you know, to really say, okay, when two weeks have ended or four weeks have ended, um, what, what is the outcome? Um, that I hope my students either review or maybe adding on to some learning that we had just discussed in class. Um, and yeah. there are a lot of great resources uh, to support that. So um, one of the things that I, you know, when we talk about the DESE uh, website and the standards and the, and the item level descriptors, yes. one of the things that we see uh, teachers do, and I, you know, I, I, I'd like your opinion on this is they, they follow them linearly. Mm -hmm. Um, and they see, you know, this one is, is first, so it must be the most important. Uh, and then they go to the second one and the third one as the school year goes on. I, I just want to address that. And I, I want to ask you, can learning targets that are on the state standards, can they be combined into larger or broader activities. Absolutely. And they should be. Uh, there are crosswalks, you know, that exist for uh, social studies and ELA as an example, uh, so that you can, you know, um, cross cut. There's another education word, uh, but so that mm -hmm. you can combine that learning. We know the brain learns best when learning is combined. Uh, so, you know, if I'm trying to teach using evidence from a source, then I'm going to use a social studies source, you know, a diary yes. uh, from somebody that was on the Mayflower. Um, you know, so I want to merge that learning as much as possible. And those cross uh, those um, those crosswalks are essential in doing that work. Um, most districts have created units uh, that have already done that work. So I would advise teachers to always be referencing um, those diff those district units. Um, if they have not created those, the crosswalk is a really great resource. I think that's, that's great advice. And what I see with, with our teachers is many times, especially at the elementary level, we get caught into reading and math because those are tested. Yes science a little bit later because it's tested later, but 
you, when you leave out that social studies and those resources from social studies and that informational text, then what ends up happening, it, regardless, the map test tests social studies. Yes. It's, yeah. And so when they leave that out, it is detrimental uh, to their map Absolutely. Scores. Not the, yeah. Well, uh, so, you know, how important is it for students to know or be able to tell someone what that learning target is? I think that's very important. Um, you know, there's a lot of research behind a student's ability to say, this is what I'm learning and this is where I'm at in my learning. Um, not necessarily mm -hmm. verbatim use, um, you know, I'm learning about author's purpose today. No, but, you know, I'm learning about why an author would do certain things when they're writing. Yeah, I, I would want students to be able to articulate that. Um, mm -hmm. We all know from our past learning experiences that we do better uh, when we understand why we are um, interacting with material or when we are um, doing a certain activity. It, it, it's common sense. Um, if we feel that we are not um, a part of that, um, our learning isn't as rich. Yeah. So what's, to you, um, what's the difference between a learning target and let's say what, what I've heard before, like an essential question? So an essential question is based on that learning target. Um, and I'm stealing this from um, Nancy Fisher, but I always kind of grappled with, because I always heard learning objective because I'm old, um, you know, learning mm -hmm. um, objective, learning target, and then learning intention is the brand new lingo jargon out there. Um, the learning objective, the learning intention is the, is the teacher facing side of that. Uh, and the learning intention is what we would share with students. Along with that are some essential questions. So those essential questions are things that we want students to be kind of thinking about as they are exploring that learning. Um, you know, so I want you to understand why an author is, uh, is, is writing this book and using uh, these words. Um, so an essential question might be something that I would think about as I was exploring that. Um, does an author's words really make a difference in how you feel as a reader? Uh, so just some, some questions, kind of going back to your earlier statement of generally there's not a right or wrong answer. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we could debate many times answers to essential questions, but they keep, they keep the, the learner active um, in, in really deeply thinking about that content. Yeah, and I love that that you're beca they're becoming more active and not exactly in their in their learning because that debate just by itself is one of the uh, it's about ten learning objectives yes. right there just in having yes. a debate. So if you have a student that is not able to master a learning yes. target in the time that most of the class mm -hmm. does, what are some strategies that that uh, you can give to teachers or parents that would ensure that that student makes it. And I think a lot of times we're always looking for the silver bullet. There, there, there really is mm -hmm. none. Um, however, what I always go to is, is there a way that I can make this more concrete for this learner? 
so if they're not understanding, um, you know, I'm going to use author's purpose since that seems to be the theme of the day. Um, they're not understanding the author's purpose. Then I'm going to model for them um, in very small chunks. We're just going to listen to a page or two. And then I'm going to model for them my thinking. Um, you know, I, I bet that the author chose the word dreary because it really makes us wonder about what it looks like outside. Uh, you know, so that that really discreet modeling is huge. And also along with mm -hmm. that, chunking the learning. So you notice I didn't say we're going to listen to an entire book and then try to figure out author's purpose. No, we're going to be really strategic and just do little bite-sized pieces. Um, so mm -hmm. I think modeling uh, in math, it's making it very concrete, um, you know, manipulatives. Uh, you know, we all have um, probably a box of toothpicks that, you know, we, can, we could pull out of the, the cupboard and uh, use as counters for those kids that really need to see a visual. Um, you know, so making it concrete, modeling your thinking for learners, um, and then putting it into bite-sized pieces is probably the best way. Uh, in the classroom, you know, we do that a lot through pulling up small groups of kids. And, you know, gosh, everybody's got it. I need to talk to you just a little bit more because I know that you're struggling with this. Uh, so how can I scaffold that learning for you? And when you're talking to that, that individual student, it's, I, I assume it's crucial that you're giving descriptive rather than just generic. Absolutely. Feedback. Absolutely. So what, what, what does that so, look like? So, you know, I might say, you know, I really noticed that you were thinking about the question I just asked. And what I noticed was that you were struggling with this part. Um, when you got to this part of the math problem, you got stuck. You weren't sure what to do next. Um, so we're going to go back and we're going, and I'm going to model for you uh, my thinking and how I would do that. And then I want you to tell me what you noticed me doing. Uh, so, you know, being really particular with students about what they're getting. And that is a, that's, that's higher level for adults. Um, you know, what, what am I noticing that students are understanding? And what part is, is the part that's the roadblock um, that's prohibiting them from, get, from moving on? Um, then offering them praise, of course, for what they've got. And then this is where I see that you're getting stuck. Um, and what, this is what you could do to move forward. Well, there's, a, there's a lot of experience and expertise that you are talking about there in order uh -huh. to get to, uh -huh. to that uh -huh. level. So, yeah. so yeah, so it takes a little bit to get to that. Um, well, let me ask you, is it ever okay to move on without all students mastering the learning? Uh, you target? know, and that's, that's a, that's a, a hot button and, and big debate question. Um, oh, well then we just no. won't talk about it. <laughs> we, no, um, Yes, you have to, but, but I think that again, using those performance level descriptors as your guide of these are essential, um, districts have identified mm -hmm. priority or power standards. Um, those are the ones I'm going to loop back to, um, as a class, you know, are we going to move on? Yes. But am I always going to know, gosh, um, 
you know, this particular student hasn't demonstrated mastery yet. I need to constantly be checking back with him and giving him or her um, some additional uh, support for that. Yeah, that's a, if it's something that's essential, I'm going to be doing that as an educator. And that's difficult, too, yeah. by the way. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed about the state standards is they uh, they loop back just building on those on those skills. They build on those skills yes. incrementally. And so it will come yes. back. Um, it's just that that student might be a little bit behind the other the other students in the class. And uh, what I what I know from secondary uh, teachers is we get so caught up in our content specific instruction that a lot of times we let deficits student, you know, deficits in learning go because it's not part of our instruction, but not part of our content. And, you know, it's, I, what do you think about um, how important is it for, for those teachers, even if they're content specific to kind of go back and address those, uh, give those students feedback on areas of concern that might not be in their content area. I think that's, I think that that's, you know, vital. Um, but again, I think that we have to be realistic and take a deep breath and know, okay, what is it that my district and the state is saying is absolutely essential for students to know, understand, and be able to do. Um, now there have been times that I, as an educator deemed something as absolutely essential uh, and so I was looping back to that. And it might not have been something uh, that was, quote, in the curriculum. Uh, I felt that it was absolutely essential that students learned how to treat each other with respect. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that in the, in the DESE curriculum uh, guidelines? Uh, it's touched on. Uh, but but as, as far as a learning outcome, no. Uh, but that was something that I wanted my students leaving with a solid understanding and being able to demonstrate. Uh, so I hope that answers the question that you were, that you were asking. It does. Well, thank you for, for uh, talking with us today. And uh, do you have anything to add? No, just a, a shout out to the, the families and teachers that are, um, that are doing this work. Uh, I know that, uh, very few teachers went to school to learn how to do online learning platforms. And, uh, and certainly there are, I know, parents that, um, that are struggling with this new environment. Um, I do, uh, within Teresa's document that you have posted online, there will be a Padlet and there are resources for families as well. Uh, and there are some excellent samples of how different educators as well as families are na navigating this situation. Um, there's an example from a North Kansas City teacher, uh, uh, Emily Lynch Deegan, about how she kind of launched her online learning platform, paying really good attention to, uh, so what does this mean in terms of how I'm going to connect with my kids still? Um, so uh, that will be on the, on Teresa's, uh, running list there of, of information and and as always if I hope that if anybody would ever have a question that they would feel that they could reach out to me well that's great well thank you uh, Julie Stevenson for all of your insight today and uh, 
be safe and, and you as take well. care of yourself. All right. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Heartland Teaching Podcast, sponsored by the UMKC Regional Professional Development Center at Union Station. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that future podcasts will be made available to you at the touch of your podcast button. Please feel free to leave your comments on this podcast or register for one of our events by clicking the link on the attached podcast. We hope that we see you soon.